Welcome to Bonehead Weekly. We're going to talk about drugs. Now, we did a short, short thing for about drugs because we don't do a lot of drugs on Bonehead Weekly. We, we don't. We don't. Right. For oh, my God. He didn't take his I medication. That, <laughs> he, doesn't, he didn't take his <laughs> winking medication. He's having another yeah. episode. Or he's on that he's he's the, he's on those drugs that make him go winky winky. <laughs> they oh they keep me from going tinky tinky in my pants or my paints in my pants. Where are you at in my pants? They don't make your dinky go winky. Well, I need a lot of things to make my dinky do a lot of things. All right, moving right along. Drug movies. Now, and we're not talking about drug movies in terms of, like we said, uh. Requiem for a Dream. That's a depressing drug film. It shows the harsh reality of what heroin and speed can do to a person. We're talking about when the movies where control it, it. Yeah, and we're talking about the movies where drugs are actually fun, entertaining, and fun, and and used as a gimmick for either comedy or just outright insanity. Well, and by the way, I, I do want to put a caveat. A couple of mine are not from films; they're from books. I, I don't. I, I I wanted to say that up front. No, I know, Chad. I know. Normally, you're the one that uh, says something about you know it's not just movies. So I wanted to do it this. No, time. What was funny is right before we recorded, though, we said dr- uh, drugs that are fun, and then you said in movies. <laughs> I know. I do cocaine. What? No, I don't. <laughs> I just told the audience that we don't do a lot of drugs. I can't do co- Do you all know how much money I make? I don't make cocaine money. You I don't make know caffeine what cocaine money. money is. No, I don't. I wouldn't know. I, would I not, don't know I, I what know cocaine money is. And I, don't I know it's know. more than I have. I would be slightly curious. Chad's closing his mind. I'm slightly curious to know what cocaine costs. I have no idea. i seen Bright Lights in Big City. Yeah, that's the what it did to poor Michael J. Gave him the Parkinson's. I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Hell, I don't know. But there are a lot of drug movies. Why are they always so damn depressing? I, you know, there's because reality are because movies are reality. I don't know if that means what you think. Uh, There's some that aren't. Well, okay. So, like I said, I'm pulling some from literature, and 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 I've got an example where the drug itself is not depressing. The society around it's depressing, right? I don't I, know. You talking about hillbilly elegy? Because I no. never bothered to watch it. Uh, well, or read a, it. a, it's a book. <laughs> and well, B, it's a movie too. Yeah, but it was a book first. It's, it's what J.D. Vance got elected by. Uh, um, I didn't elect him. Now, well, I, he's not local to us, Joe. But and by the way, there's a lot of people from Appalachia that has a big problem with that narrative that he has. And my argument is, it's a valid narrative, perhaps for his family, but not mine, right? So anyway, because uh, there's a lot of pushback. Silas House wrote a great uh, response to it. Um, so if anybody reads Silas House, check it out. No, I just know the one Silas. Mm. I don't have a house. read his literature. He don't have a house. He ain't bringing much to the table. No, really should talk to him about that. So I can I go through. So if we're not talking about depressing movies, can we talk about can I talk about a few of these depressing movies? Well, no, no, I was about to say I and my my I just wanted to say that and again, actually you can argue mine's depressing. I would just argue it's a society issue. But so yeah, let's hit it. Let's just go. Let's do it. All right, because Requiem for a Dream, as Chad brought up, that ain't never not made somebody go, I want to go do drugs. 13, once again, ain't never not made somebody want to go do drugs. Hillbilly Elegy is a good one. I'm trying to pull these up as I go. Um, Okay, I actually think Blow, if they could have ended it 20 minutes earlier, would make me want to sell drugs. What do you all think? Well, by you the mean, way, before they actually good... got to the harsh reality of what happened to the real-life person? Yes. <laughs> by the way, though, that's a good point, though, because there yeah. are those movies that, and maybe this can be an episode we do in the future, movies that make being the bad guy look intriguing. Because most movies, you don't want to be the bad guy. But there's a couple films, couple films where I'm like, hmm, really? Maybe. Okay. I mean, they seem to be doing okay, and arguably they're not doing too much harm. Right. But maybe that's a future episode. Traffic? 
There's another one. You guys remember traffic? Oh, I got stuck in it earlier. I admittedly never saw it. Really? Mm-mm. Not a Soderbergh fan, huh? All right. So traffic, American Gangster. I'm trying to think of other ones that people would know that are okay. That I'm going to leave it at that. There's a lot of tragedy drug movies. Well, I mean, and by the way, do we need to do a shout out to the ultimate depressing and yet hilarious warning movie that was Reefer Madness? Y'all ever watch Reefer Madness? I've actually never watched it. Neither have oh, I, man. I sh- I've wanted to, but I never have. I haven't even wanted to see the remake of it. Oh, my. You need to watch it. The best part. Now, now, admittedly, gentlemen, at all just aside, I, I, uh, they used to wheel me out to detect drugs in the hall because I actually smoke gets to me so that I would have a kind of an allergic reaction. So I, I have not partaken. But if I believed reefer madness at all, one token, you'll jump out a window and then you'll go. And then the other people that are exposed to it by your doing it will go home and kill their whole family. <laughs> and I, I, I must admit, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think, I mean, can I say it's never happened? No, I, I don't know. But I'm pretty sure 99.9% of people that have told me they've used it before say, yeah, I'll mail out, watch some TV, eat some Doritos. Hmm. So, uh, I, yeah, Reefer Madness, if you've never seen it, you all need to watch it because, A, you'll find it hilarious. But, B, it is so over the top. I, I hope William Randolph Hearst wrote a heck of a check to get that made. <laughs> well, so can I go ahead and get started of some of the fun drug movies? By the way, yeah. another one. Uh, I, I'm not. Wait, gonna are you going to list or are you going to name one? I'm just going to name one. Okay, just make sure. <laughs> I'm just going to name one, and I, I'd like I wanted to come up with something more. What's the word? Obscure, but I I can't because I love the book. And James, this was based on a book before it was a movie. Book, you say? Can Can he see? Can he see the sarcasm? James? It's that's like one of them magazines, but longer, filled with scribblings. Filled with the scribblings. So I'm going to talk about Hunter S. Thompson, 1998's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, based on the 71 novel. That demon ether. That demon. It is You're so... not going to talk about the original with Bill Murray. You're going to go where the buffalo. That's where the buffalo That's where roam. the buffalo roam. That's, yeah, yeah, that's, based, on, that's based on a different book. Yeah. That's oh, not sorry. I thought they were both. No, it's not. No. Well, fuck you both. Have you seen I'm it? sorry. I've read it. I book, have, too. and I forgot. Yeah, it's not Fear and Loathing. <laughs> The um, basically, it is except for the last 10 20 minutes, or at least the last 20 pages of the book, which is where I've always felt that the movie kind of the movie never stuck to the ending of the book, sticks to the ending. <clears throat> it is craziness, it all supposedly happened. There's many sources who have backed up that's like, Yeah, all that shit happened, but if you've never seen it, it's Two guys, one is a reporter, the other one's an attorney. They both really One of God's own prototypes. Yeah, they both really existed. These were real people. And they go to Vegas for a weekend. To cover, is it a motorbike? Yeah, it's to cover, um, uh, yeah, uh, the uh, dirt bike, something, something, something. And they get into antics. I am doing it a disservice, but... I got to feel like most of you all out there have probably seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Am I wrong, Dr. Gonzo and Raul? Duke? I mean, I'm, there's a huge chunk who haven't or, you know, who frankly, listen to us. Well, who listen to us? Probably not because we have such a small audience. They have seen it and they enjoyed it. And if you didn't enjoy it, man. And actually, I'm <laughs> but at the same time, I don't. It, Go ahead. No, James, go first. Well, that that movie is one that you need to watch if for no other reason than so you can play Six Degrees of Separation and win There's a ton of people in it. Because Tobey Maguire's in it. Yep. You don't have any prejudice, do you? Uh, Christina Ricci's in it. Uh, Del Toro. I mean, uh, obviously Johnny Depp. But, I mean, you can sit there and go, oh, wow, wow, wow. And some people are in it for 30 seconds. And some people are in it longer. And it's just... Man, it's a lot of fun. So, a, Chad, I just got so let me put a counterpoint to this because I was almost going to put this on my list as well. 
But do you really think it's a fun look at drugs? Because wouldn't you parts of it, yes, lose your mind if all of a sudden you're driving down the road and you're being chased by a load of bats or you're in a casino and you see a crazy lizard person walk by you? Because if you think I, about I, those I, my, I think if you know you're losing your mind, then no, you don't lose your mind because you know that it's not real, but you also know you're experiencing something. I could take it, it, it. Would I advise anyone to do drink, <laughs> do yeah, drugs, all those things? My answer to you is no, Chad. I would. I'm say, just saying because I was like, does it really make it look fun? Because at the same yeah, time, because sometimes, even, yeah, even, parts of the movie do make it look fun to me. Yeah, I, I, I have had some wild weekends. Most of the first half. I was about to say up now, until where, the weird shit with the girl. Here's what we're all agree with with joe is that because i knew hunter s thompson was a real person yes mm -hmm. and because i knew he was very much alive i could enjoy being a passenger watching that movie a a, a proverbial passenger right like if i was there in person i'd be like oh, this is not my scene but as watching a film and knowing that at that time one could hypothetically pick up the phone and call Hunter S. Thompson. At that time. Yeah. I mean, if you call him now and he answers, uh, you got one of them black phone situations. But anyway, um, I think that I think that's why I could enjoy it. Is that I knew in my heart of hearts it wasn't going to become Requiem for a dream. There yeah. was not going to be all of a sudden this sudden turn where, oh my God, Hunter S. Thompson killed 15 people with a machete or, you know, Hunter S. Thompson is vomiting his eyes out or none of that was going to happen because I knew Hunter S. Thompson was still an active writer at the time. It, and what I want to do is talk a little bit about the adaption. So, yes, I do think I could have had fun on some of it. Do they go a little crazy for me? Yeah, but at the same time, we all three have some weekends that we weren't that we look back on with fondness. We do. And I'm like I said again, I'm not it was just when I when I was going it over my head, I'm like, that's almost an anti-drug film if you look at it from the standpoint of what it's doing to his brain, <laughs> especially at that first part where he's literally just freaking out everywhere he goes. You know, I said it out loud. <laughs> there he goes. Hold on, James. There he goes, one yep. of God's own prototypes, a high-powered mutant of some kind, never even considered for mass production, too gotcha. weird to live and too rare to die. Is that what yeah, you're I mean, I would not want to be there in person when it was actually happening. As, again, a passenger that didn't have to be there but got to see the, the effects of the trip, it's a fun movie to watch. It's, mm -hmm. it's, no, it we is a fun had, movie. We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered blotter acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, and a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, laughers. Also, a quart of tequila, a quart of rum, a case of beer, a pint of raw ether, and two dozen of meals. Not that we needed all of that for the trip, but once you get locked into a serious drug collection, the tendency is to push it as far as you can. The only thing that really worried me was the ether. There is nothing in the world more helpless and irresponsible and depraved than a man in the depths of an ether binge. And I knew we'd get into that rotten stuff pretty soon. In my head, it's always I knew we'd get into that devil ether, which I actually prefer that over what it is. And what, the reason the movie works so well, and I remember Entertainment Weekly giving it an F when it came out. <clears throat> the reason the movie works so well is because it gets most of the book right. The thing that the movie doesn't do, because it kind of just ends with them driving down the road. Mm -hmm. Remember the car driving down the road mm -hmm. with, with Rolling Stones playing. Is that there is not an epilogue, but there is a final couple of chapters where he's back in Colorado. Probably Woody Creek. I don't remember. It's been a while since I've read it. And you get a little bit of that when he's talking about it, when you can see where the water crested, where they never quite did it. The hippie movement didn't work. None of it worked. He's already knows it didn't work in 1971. It was a few years later for anybody kind of realize more realized, but he already knows it where they blew it. Right. To quote easy rider. And it works, but the movie still has a few more minutes. 
it doesn't have that kind of I'm trying to think of another word other than epilogue, James, but it doesn't have that realization. It doesn't have realization, the realization of, that the book carries. That the book carries. And I don't know how you do it because they did such a good job of getting most of the book on the film that I wish there was just a, a just a few more minutes of whether it be narration, however you get it, of explaining this to the audience going you're uh, chad's right you shouldn't do this this is depraved mm -hmm. and none of it really worked but it was a lot of fun mm -hmm. agreed that's my fear and loathing las vegas none of it really worked but damn it was a lot of fun james do you want to go yeah i'll talk about so this is the drug that i think obviously a fictional drug but i think if you could get if this was real and it hit the market so many people would do this drug. And that's why I said the drug itself probably isn't, it, it, as a concept, isn't bad. But it leads to a society that is really, really complicated. And the drug is described in this way. All the advantages of Christianity and alcohol, none of their defects. The drug it's uh, so the 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 dosage is half a gram for a half holiday, a gram for a weekend, two grams for a trip to the gorgeous east, three for a dark eternity on the moon. The drug basically makes whatever you're having to go through feel safe and happy and warm and good. It is Soma from Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. And if you've never read Brave New World, hey, you should. It's a great book. It's probably one of it's in my top ten books of all time. But what makes Brave New World horrifying isn't that the drug created the society. It's that society created this drug. It's that society has created a thing where everybody, they've created a society where there's no complaints because everybody's happy to be who they are. Right? There's an entire dialogue about, you know, alphas, are glad to be alphas. They're just glad that they're not betas or epsilons or blah, blah, blah. Betas are glad that they don't have the stress of being alphas, but at least they're better than epsilons. Epsilons are just glad that they don't have the stress of being higher level than anybody else, and everybody's locked in their society. And they use Soma just to make sure everybody feels good all the time. And so it's a drug that, again, is created by the society. But if you read the book, you can tell the drug's not the problem. It's the society that allows that drug to be used to keep everybody in their place. And and there's there's um you know the the idea that everybody is supposed to feel good all the time, the idea that everybody's supposed to be fine and and um the fact that uh you know everybody should be you know having sex all the time and and stuff like that and it's you know you're good if you're pneumatic pneumatic being oh it's you're as easy to breathe right and so soma i think is a great and there's never been there's been some adaptations of brave new world there's never been a good one and that's hard for me to say because Leonard nimoy did one and i wanted it to be good i did and he played the bit well not the villain he's not a villain he played mustafa man the world controller mm -hmm. and uh but I think that's an example of a drug that, you know, if that drug was real, of course people would be interested. And it does have no negative side effects. Nobody dies after taking it. Nobody just feel like wherever you are is a good place to be. But again, in the book, Soma's not the problem. The society that makes Soma necessary is a problem. But it's not a bad drug. It is just a drug that has been used by the society just to make sure, you know, because they condition you in the womb, well, not in the womb, in the test tube, to be happy wherever you are. That's programmed into you before you're ever born. So this drug is just a layer. It doesn't matter. Um, so, uh, but, you know, it's quote-unquote non-addictive. It's blah, 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 all this other stuff. But Soma is one of the drugs that I think is fascinating. Uh, and I just love that description. All the advantage of Christianity and alcohol, none of the defects. Uh, you know, just this idea that there's a drug that just makes everything okay, whatever you need it to be, you know, you're going to be in a bad situation, no problem. All of a sudden, that feels like a good situation. And that is both a fascinating and potentially terrifying drug to think about. I give credit to Aldous Huxley. Again, if you've never read Brave New World, 
Or if you're listening to this and you have a billion dollars and you're thinking, I'm going to hire that John Woo fellow to direct a film. I don't know if he'd do Brave New World. I'm picking him out of a hat. But I would love to see a good adaptation of Brave New World made because it's never been done. And that is definitely um, a good example of, of a drug in, in, uh, in fiction that is, is fascinating. Okay. Chad. So mine's a question. Um, my first one anyway. Technically, this movie is just alcohol, but there had to be some acid in that booze because what the hell happened when Dumbo drank? I don't know. It's been a long time since I've seen Dumbo. Yeah, them pink elephants on that parade were messed up. Yeah, yeah, that was if that was normal alcohol, then there was something else going on. Like he had some sort of uh, intolerance, maybe. I have never been around anybody who drinks alcohol and hallucinates. Never, ever have I seen that happen. But it makes you want to. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I don't understand their depiction of alcohol and i know alcohol chad why are you picking alcohol as the drug because most, most it's, is it is it, it is it really a drug it's legal it is a drug it alters your perception yeah, it's, too. it's a depressant <laughs> you know yeah. um but the way that it's depicted in disney's dumbo which by the way i will freely admit i don't care for dumbo i never have it's right up there with with Pinocchio and in, in in the level of Disney movies that I never care to watch again. Oh, Bambi! Add Bambi to that list. I can't care for any one of those three movies. But Dumbo but the, is it because mom. you hate all? Uh, is it because you hate all things Italian? I think it's because he just hates his mom. I also I don't like pasta either, so it might be James. Oh my God! I never knew you were filled with such so much hate. How did you mm. not know he's been talking about it for years on here? <laughs> Well, this is the first time his hate has negatively affected my perceptions. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I demand it, justice, but if there must be injustice, I demand it be in my favor. If I would, if I had to move to Italy, I would have to rely solely on olives because I'm I could not eat pasta every. I just can't. I don't like it. Don't like the texture. Don't like anything about it. Fireworks. Fireworks. Fire, wait, pasta is not American. You're confusing. It might as the well two. be. I also don't care for a lot of fried food. So there, there you go. Yeah. Fireworks, fried foods. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, no, I just, I, I am fascinated by Disney's approach to just a, a, a elephant getting drunk. And instead of just tipsing around, getting into bar fights, you know, hooking up with a random lady, he hallucinates pink elephants and has all kinds of crazy things happen and it it just it just completely blew my mind and that's why it became my first pick i just never understood why and i've and i don't think there's any documentation or explanation as to why they decided to go that route with that story arc it pretty it is pretty but it makes no sense so yeah anyway that's my pick all right. Mine is a little, another one that's made in the last 20 or 30 years. I'm going off of it. But let me tell you something. There's no no nobility in poverty. I've been a rich man. I've been a poor man. I choose rich every fucking time. Because at least as a rich man, when I have to face my problems, I show up in the back of the limo wearing a $2,000 suit and a $40,000 gold fucking watch. I'm talking about 2000 in 13's movie about the actual true story of Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. Now, I went back and forth of this is a drug movie, but they do a lot of drugs in this movie. It's totally a drug movie. Yeah, but I'd make if I was breaking it down, I would say the drugs the money. But yeah, the drugs the money and then when they don't and then when that no longer fulfills, then they go full tilt. Well, they, 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 they crazy. make $49 million in the 80s and you get pissed at yourself because it's $3 million mm-hmm. short of 52, which would have been a million dollars a week. So <clears throat> I read Tommy Chong's autobiography about prison and he talks about Jordan, Jordan <sighs> Belfort was his celly for a while. 
And Jordan Belfort made money getting out of prison too. He made money before prison. He made money after prison. He's always going to be a wealthy person. Who's the guy that did the, because the Caprios played two people who made money before prison and after prison. The guy in Catch Me If You Can is a real person, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oh, wow. What's his name? Yes. I can't remember his name either, but he made money after prison. Oh, he, well, and he made tons of money getting that movie made because he put so many requirements on it that they had to option it five or six times. Yeah. Because he said it had to star a certain caliber of actor. It had to have so many Oscar nominees in it or something. You can read the history of that, but he made, he was using it like he was depressed when they finally managed to meet all his requirements because he would no longer be able to hold it out of her. Even like most drug movies, there's fun till it's no fun anymore. So the Wolf of Wall Street is why didn't they just quit? Even even in the movie, he could have walked away a hundred millionaire, right? Just could have quit, but couldn't quit. Why? He's addicted to money and addicted to drugs, and the drugs and the money. I, I don't know. It's it's pretty it's a pretty funny movie, guys. Well, it I is. think it's also though, do you think part of the reason too is you're addicted, obviously, but it's also, it's worked so far. Yeah. Right? I mean, it it's worked. It did work. Yeah, the, the still one of the funniest scenes um, in recent mind, in recent history that I can come up with is, is Leonardo DiCaprio trying to get out of that car uh, on those drugs. You know, because <laughs> he just, he can't, he lost complete function of his body. Right. So Wolf of Wall Street is mine. If you've never seen it, it's about Jordan Belfort, Belfort, who was a guy came from middle class and rose to be a, a gabillionaire. And it's just an interesting story because he's so sl- I don't even know if he's slimy. He's just the epitome of capitalism, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's not even so much as he's slimy. I and he's not. I mean, yeah, he sells. But it's all about sales. Their whole business is about sales. The American public, I mean, the American economy is all about sales. So I I don't, I don't even know if I have a problem with him. I just don't. At least he's selling them something as opposed to, yeah, I get off on a tangent. Who's next? James. You know, I'm going to talk about one from a movie that we've all agreed should have got way more love, should have been uh, given 400 sequels and all of that stuff. You know, it's it's a great film, and I'm I'm blanking on the name of the drug, so I'm trying to find it very very quickly. We'll say the um, name of the movie. Uh, the the uh, dread, the drug in dread that slows down. Oh time. yeah, slow mo. Slow mo. Thank you. Yes, and so um, if you've not seen dread, a go see Carl Urban's dread right now it's not car he doesn't own it but he plays dread in it and i love of dread i love dread as a character i even watched the sylvester stallone one which is an issue because they wanted stallone's face on screen because he's a huge name but that's not dread dread doesn't take his helmet off um so uh but yeah the the Plot to Dread is there's a 200-story high-rise, and Dread's going to go in and get this drug dealer, yeah. Ma. Uh, was it Mama? Yeah. yeah. Um, Madeline Mama Madrigal. He's going to go in. He's going to get her. He's going to take her down. And everything keeps getting well. And the drug slows down, or it doesn't slow down time. It makes you perceive time as being slowed down. And the close of that m- movie... <clears throat> when the effect of that drug happens and the, what happens to the final to to the drug kingpin queenpin um is worth the ride it's the fascinating concept about use the use of drugs both for selling but also the the idea of dealing it and what that looks like but also the punishment that's going to go with that especially in the world of dread um so I, I find this one of the most fascinating drugs because it also makes me think about this idea of the punishment that drugs have. Even, obviously, Dred's the one that's dishing out the punishment, but that final scene where everything slows down, you're like, yep, you're just going to hang there for a minute. It's going to be bad. You're going to suffer. 
is is well worth the ride. Okay. My turn? No. You're gonna oh, skip me? Right. Dude. Oh well, no, I forgot who was next. He took uh he took I see how it is. He's doing slow mo. Slow mo and he's yeah. Nicholas Cage bringing out the dead. Oh man, that's a good one. Yeah, you know it has. It's another Martin Scorsese film. Martin Scorsese does great things with drugs. Well, and you know one of the reasons I really loved that film is I saw it when I was having insomnia myself. But you're right, there's drugs in it, but he's also just so beat down and exhausted without them that it makes his use of them. I don't want to say compelling, but logical. Yeah, and the whole and you know the whole thing is he's constantly on a rotation with other ambulance drivers, but when he gets in there with John Goodman, and he takes those drugs, man, it makes me want to go. I, I'm just the 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 way it goes so fast paced, and he's driving through New York at a hundred miles an hour. I'm like, what drugs are these, man? These it it makes. It just is very impressive that it can do that to somebody and he can still function normally. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it, uh, when we were coming up with movies that make drugs look cool, honestly, it, it's bringing out the, it bringing out the dead, even though breaking out the dead is by far one of the more depressing Scorsese films ever made. But, but, but you know, you, I'm glad you brought that up, Chad, cause I didn't think about it. It's, I love that movie. It may actually be, I know this is probably going to get me killed by somebody, it may be my favorite Martin Scorsese film because it's different, mm-hmm. and and the, but it's classic Scorsese in some ways because oh my god the music on that works so well with what's going on. Yeah, that scene uh, after he does drugs and you get Japanese sand. I'm the Japanese Sandman, and it's classic, you know, fifties, sixties mm-hmm. tune. But you're also just like he's ripped. I mean, just and so all the music that goes along with that and. And how the music also shows that upper and downer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the song TB Sheets is used at one point when he's at, at a low. And if you've never heard the song in its entirety, it's about you know this person realizing that their wife, girlfriend, however, uh, I, I forget the exact, but is dying of tuberculosis and they just can't handle it, so they leave it. And it's a very depressing song. And it's used to show, okay, he's now at a low. This is a low. Japanese Sandman's a high. When he's darting through the city, yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. And the and you know the other thing with you that finally is did something right, Chad. Uh, it's it's rare. It's very rare. Um, but also like in terms of Scorsese, it, I I don't want to say it's my favorite Scorsese film. I can't say that. But can I tell you, it's in my top three or five. Absolutely, um, it's up there, man. And the, the in terms of Scorsese films and the visuals it's the most unique in terms of visuals for me when it turned when it becomes scorsese films cuz you know when he has that re, uh the um flashback and he's walking through the snow and you know to 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 save the person it the first watch i didn't notice that the snow was going backwards it was actually falling up and then when i noticed it on the second viewing it it just blew my mind but yeah in terms of of what and the, the the way Scorsese pictured of this is Nicholas's Cage's brain on drugs was truly fascinating to me. I just love the visuals and everything about it. So yeah, it is and and none of his other film because he obviously uh drug use in Scorsese films is a very popular trope for him, but none of them show it visually the way that even even Wolf of the Wall Street, even Wolf of Wall Street does not show it in terms of that visual style that he did in Breaking Out the Dead. I don't know. It's just a phenomenal, phenomenal view. Well, and there's so much you can play with there, right? Because as you mentioned, he rides along with so many different characters and they all represent, we could argue, different aspects of, you know, John Goodman starts out trying to be supportive, but is fed up by the end of the shift. And then Mm -hmm. you've got the person that's out there doing this job. Is that Tom Sizemore? Because they can get away with hurting people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then Ving Rhames, I can't remember what his character was. The Ving uh, Rhames is in it, right? <laughs> oh, it's uh, is it Ving Rhames or is it? It's Ving Rhames. I can't oh, remember. I'm um, I'm looking it up. 
Yeah, please. We uh, he's my favorite character because when they have to go save the guy from the drug overdose, yeah, and he makes it a religious thing while he has Nick Cage inject him with it's Ving Rhames as Marcus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you go talking about uh, the because the, the dispatcher that he flirts with, um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, the uh, I come here to save this sinner. What's his name? I be banging. Now, what's his real name? I don't know. They just call him I be banging. I come here to save this sinner. I be banging. And then when they adrenaline him and he sets up, what happened? Dude, you died. <laughs> um, yeah, no, no, it's it's there's so much to examine in that film. I know it wasn't a hit. Matter of fact, when I rented it, uh, that used to be something we did, kids. Uh when I rented it at Blockbuster, that used to be a store. Um I literally was checking out with it, and the guy went, I don't know why, why you're watching this. Like, this is a terrible movie. And I was like, I didn't want to see it. And uh, I went, I, and I was watching it, and I rented it because I was on call for my old job. And I was halfway through it, and I got called because we had somebody with alcohol poisoning. And I think that's why it's burned into my head, right? Because I was halfway through that movie, the on-call phone rang, I had to respond to an alcohol poisoning. And then I came back, couldn't sleep, and I finished that movie exhausted. And I was like, no, this is good. This is a great film. Because I felt it. I felt and, it. So and then James leaves out the part where the, the, the guy at the store spent 30 minutes telling him about all the wonderful merits of can't hardly wait. <laughs> no, I, I will because I, I went back later and I bought it because you know they used to have a ton of them. And then when they stopped renting them, they would sell them. Yeah. $2.99. And I was like, yeah, I want it. And the same guy was like, are you sure you want to buy this? I'm like, dude, yeah, I want. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I thought it had something to say. Um, Man, I don't get it. I saw it in the theater, and I, I don't. And Moorhead, I'm sure. But I, I don't know that I've seen it since. Oh man, it's. It, I've seen it several times. I love it. Yeah. All right, my up now. Yep. I got for my third and last one. We got to talk about what I think is the best pot movie ever made. I know there's people older or younger than me who think it's X, Y, or Z, but truthfully, it's Cheech and Chong's Open Smoke. It's not even a real movie. It's more of a real movie than the other ones, but it's basically about two stoners who stumble upon one another and then just get into hijinks for the next hour and 15 minutes. Yes. That's basically what it is. Directed by their manager. I don't know if you all knew that. Lou Adler was the director, and it's Tommy Chong's kind of a co-director on it. Didn't get credit. Lou I Adler. Didn't, was I didn't manager. know Lou Adler was their manager. Lou Adler was their manager. Wow. So it was a huge hit too. So much so that we forget that there was a ton of Cheech and Chong movies. There's Up in mm. Smoke. There's Corsican Still Brothers. Corsican Brothers. That's the worst one. Yellow Beard. Uh, they're both in yellow beer, but that's not a. I know. I just wanted to make you twitch. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> nice dreams. Next movie. Things are tough. Things are tough all over. Still smoking. Used to love these movies as a kid. I was rewatching this just two weeks ago, and I haven't got to actually rewatch all of it. I was watching the first twenty minutes. And I actually laughed. Christy was down here. I actually laughed for a few minutes, especially when it was, can you see your license when he's pulled over? And it's like, yeah. And then on the back back there. That's a good hilarious. line. That's a good line. Just hilarious. They blew most, literally blew most of their great jokes in the first movie. Stacy Keach is hilarious. He would come back for another couple of movies later on. I just think Up in Smoke is the best pop movie ever made. You know, it does have the distinction of being one of the first. Yeah, well, I was going to say because I and and I know some people love Half Baked, and I'm not taking it away from Half Baked. Harold and Kumar. Harold and Kumar. They're is what fun. I was going to say. I'm not. Well, no, I was going to say. I'm, I'm not. Say, I'm not. It's saying, Up in Smoke is the best cup pot movie. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't seen Up in Smoke in a long time. You got to remember, I was raised. They were landing for me the other day, and I started doing quotes from it. You can bend and scoop like the Mexicans. You're going to end up like a goddamn Finkelstein shit kid I just... you know but I so the reason Harold and Kumar comes to mind is uh uh I was raised by Puritan so I didn't get to watch Cheech and Chong a lot when I was a kid but when I went to college Harold and Kumar was out so I got to see that yeah and and I think the reason Harold and Kumar comes to mind is 
Yeah, it's, I mean, it's absurd, and it's pod humor and all that stuff, but it also has, weirdly has heart. I mean. Yeah, it does. Uh, and, and so I think that's why Harold and Cooper, so sorry, I, uh, not to take away from yours, but I, I think, I think that's one of the things, being raised by puritanical parents who told me if I did, uh, if, if I smoked the devil's cabbage, I would, you know, die. Um, I, I didn't have a lot of exposure to it, but Harold and Kumar and, and other films, it was, it, it had, it has heart. It's, I mean, yes, drugs, but it's also, these are two friends trying to figure out where they're going to go and yeah. how they're going to do it. And also they just want cheeseburger. And I identify with all of that. <laughs> I, there's a ton of, I was sitting here going through the lines of the quote. I, it's, it's barely a movie. But for some odd reason, it still works 44, 45 years later. I didn't realize. I'm just a love machine and I don't work for nobody but you. But, you know, by the way, speaking of which, and like I said, I, I, I was raised by T. Tolish. Uh, I still will walk around and just randomly go, I'm just a love machine. But I do want to say uh, that I appreciate pot humor when it's done well because one of my, and I know you all are not fans. But I must admit, the first Super Troopers works so much better. Whoa, hold on. One. Hold Why on. do you say I'm not a fan? I like Super you prefer Troopers. Police Academy, sir. And I will that not is stand true. That. I will not stand for that deviance. After five watches, I still laugh hard at Brian Cox. You're a sick motherfucker, man. <laughs> no, well, uh, but the entire scene where oh, they pull yeah. over the kids and the, he eats all the drugs, it shouldn't be funny. Every time it gets to me. That is the heart of that movie, that and the Germans that they arrest. But which all of that's missing from the sequel. All of it is missing. That that same that type of humor is missing from the sequel. Uh, there's parts of the sequel that I like, but actually, you know what parts of the sequel I really like, Chad? Apropos of what you said, Brian Cox. <laughs> Brian Cox, his scenes in the sequel still hold up. Um, we'll see if we get a third one. What's going to happen there? But. Uh, so yeah, no, sorry. I was just adding on to your comments, Joe. I'm not a big, uh, I'm, I, I wasn't raised around pot humor, but I must admit those all work on me. Yeah, yeah. All right. James. Who's next? Um, yeah, I was trying to think of some good, uh, I guess good drug movies, and I'm really struggling with it because I think so many of them. Or good drugs in pop culture are are really hard to to fathom, but there is one I wanted to bring up, and I almost made an honorable mention, but I think it deserves a mention of its own because it gets brought up a couple times. It's been in books, it's been in movies, it's been everywhere, and it sounds terrible. But for fans of it, we'd all we'd all give it a try if it if it was real. And Joe, you might know what this is just by the description. Uh, having a drink of it is, quote, having your brain smashed out by a slice of lemon wrapped around a large gold brick. The Pan-Galactic Gargle Blaster. Yep, that's right. From Hitch the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series franchise, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there's not, there's not a lot of descriptions of it other than it's going to jack you up, but you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. Nobody, you never see it. It was a drink created by the former president of the universe, Zephob, Zephod Beeblebrox. Uh, yeah. And with his two heads. With his two heads. And, but, you know, it's funny because that description makes me, I don't want my head smashed by, you know, uh, a lemon, a slice of lemon wrapped around a gold brick. I'm that curious. That fun. But nobody ever has one and goes, no, this is terrible. Why would we ever do this? It seems like they're having a good time with it. I'm it's, curious and would try it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's the entire thing. As like, would I. Nobody. And, I uh, won't try cocaine. I'll try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, I'll never say never. Uh, no, I won't. Dude. I can't bleed out my nose, man. Yeah. I don't like bleeding. I can't. So it's, I had this conversation. This is a legit conversation, by the way, that I had a couple days ago with a colleague. We were just sitting there, and out of the blue, it just came up. Man, I, there's not a lot of drugs I can I could do if I wanted to. And we just had a conversation. I'm like, I, man, I can't inject myself with anything. I hate needles. I can't bleeding out my nose. Like I don't even like to take nose spray. 
Like, I hate nose spray. I don't like that. And let it would have to be a pill. It would have to be something I can swallow. Like a jagged little gonna, pill? I, well, yeah, swimming in your stomach. Swallow it down. Uh, no, there's just not a lot of things that I could do. But So I would be relying on things like the pan galactic gargle blood. Something I can drink. Something I could, you know. I think uh, I, I think that's that's so I, I had to bring it up though because Chad mentioned alcohol and we I, we don't know exactly what the pan actually there is a recipe for the pan galactic gargle blaster let me we know some of the ingredients it includes uh and forgive my pronunciations because these are all fake words uh uh santrogenian seawater phallian mm-hmm. marsh gas and the dissolved tooth of an algolian sun t- uh, sun tiger yeah that's, that's the only uh, parts that we know that go into a pangalactic gargle blaster. But evidently, like I said, it's, it sounds terrifying, but it's, it seems to be a good time. Yeah, give it a try. All right, Jeb, bring us home. Uh, uh, James, so as our regular listeners know, we do not discuss our picks, nor do we really give any each other any idea of how we're going to go with this topic. But James unwilling unknowingly has easily transitioned me into my last pick because he mentioned not only that he could not take he he would have to take if he was going to take drugs it would be a pill also he mentioned hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and the president of the universe who was played by sam rockwell Mm -hmm. Better living Rockwell through chemistry. By name. Rockwell by nature. Better living through chemistry from 2014. I've never seen it. I it is one of Sam Rockwell's best performances. And that is saying something because Sam Rockwell, if you if you, pedestal of, of my uh, favorite actors of all time, Sam Rockwell's on that pedestal. Um so uh, Better Living Through Chemistry is uh, Sam Rockwell. He's a small town pharmacist. He has a boring life. He just goes day to day doing his tasks. He's not happy um, until he meets this woman who basically convinces him to use his pharmaceutical skills to make drugs. Mm-hmm. And then it guides him down this path of trying different pi- of of his pharmaceutical knowledge of what each pill does and how it can affect him and then him just taking them to get the desired effect that he wants every day depending on well I'm going to run a marathon today well I know this pill this pill and this pill will keep me going <laughs> and also this day I just want to be nonstop so I'm going to take these pills these pills and it's it's non and it, he goes from meek person to just absolutely crazy enjoying life during these drugs to at the very end being completely wrecked by doing nothing but different pills day to day to day to day and it just him crashing and burning it and it's just sam rockwell doing an amazing performance uh but during that time where he's really enjoying it and he's going well if i take this pill and all i can do this and if i take this pill i can do this phenomenal it's like oh well wish we could all just do that and <laughs> is take pills to function and do what we want to. And just watching him just completely go on in terms of how Leonardo DiCaprio did in Wolf of Wall Street, Sam Rockwell and Better Living Through Chemistry about the same thing. He he just he just he just does a great performance as if he's being as if he's on these different drugs. And it's very impressive. So yeah, that was my final pick. Better living through chemistry. It's one of those that it does not get a lot of talk because it just kind of came and went under the radar. Um, if you haven't seen it, seek it out and watch it. it. I promise you, you will enjoy it. Yeah. Honorable mentions? Uh, there's just so many. Harold and Kumar, I think you mainly m- mentioned the honorable ones that I would think are fun drug movies. Uh, there's a couple um, fictional drugs. Yeah, I've, got, I've got several. Pineapple Express. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jet. What do you get? What do you? What, oh, what? Okay. Uh, Beavis and Butthead to America. The Cactus. Yeah, it's a fun sequence. That is a fun sequence. Um. Uh, the movie The Guard with a uh, Domino Gleason. Yeah. It, he it just the different scenes where he's on drugs and half the time you don't know it. It's just and he's just this he's just this lousy straight curmudgeon. 
but he's tripping balls on acid and you just don't know it. <laughs> um, uh, and Joe, this one's for you. Nuke. Robo Robocop two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Nuke. <laughs> have a friend and make a little plastic thing. He's like, Nuke, and shove it in his neck. Yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> and then, but and then you know the fact that when he's a when he actually become Joe. Oh, I'm I'm blanking the name of the robot. Help me. Uh, Kane. Kane. When he becomes Kane the robot, and they literally are just shoving Nuke into the back of his portal to get keep him going. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nuke. Nuke. All right. Yeah. How about that, that's the only ones I got, James. How about Zydrate? Never seen it. Oh, comes repo. in blah blah blah. blah yeah, repo the genetic opera, Zydrate. I don't want to try it, but it sounds like a good time. And there's one Chad that you didn't mention that we have to mention because it was the entire character shtick. And by the time when he was originally created, it was a good idea. But by the time we get to the 80s, of course, any sort of medication that you would have to take to have powers was a bad idea. Miraclo, the drug that our man had to take. Oh, <laughs> to have power for exactly one hour. One and hour, if you, yeah. If you read the Golden Age, it's oh, he's a chemist and he invents this great drug that gives him super strength and all these powers for one hour. One and hour wears off. Yeah. And by the time we get to the eighties, Rex Tyler was the original one. His son is Rick Tyler, and we when we get to Crisis on Infinite Earth, he's an addict who gets so addicted to it that he has to quit. There's an eighties storyline for you. Um, thing happened to speedy yeah which is funny though right and if you're a comic book fan there were all those comic stories in the 80s because spider-man had one and it didn't get the comic code authority approval and stanley said print it anyway and they got in trouble tony uh almost said tony hawk (laughs) tony hawk well known as uh skate man uh (laughs) tony stark alcoholism speedy from green arrow was a heroin addict yep yeah yeah which is a little on the nose, uh, yeah. But, but anyway, no, no. So I, but I, that was one originally. It was a great drug, right? Miraclo gave him power so he could defend the weak and blah blah blah. And nobody talks about Iron Man much anymore. But by the time we got to the eighties, all of a sudden it was like, no, he's an addict, and we have to address it. But the original story, it sounds like Miraclo was a good deal, right? You mm-hmm. could help people, and it was you know you could only use it an hour a day. I believe it's a day. Yeah, it was um, a day, one hour a day. Uh, but you would have all the powers you need for one hour a day. So I wanted to give Miraclo a, a shout out because somebody needs to. <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got on. I'm sure we left out a lot of drugs. You kids today know more drugs than we do. Leave your comments about all the drugs you do, and we will dispatch the boys in blue to your door the, to help you with the, your collection. The only one that I forgot, I, I just forgot to mention, you know, we were talking about pot movies. Uh, Brad Pitt as the the stoner in True Romance. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 There you go. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This has been Bonehead Weekly. Enjoy your drugs, or not. Uh-huh. <laughs>